Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true here on the program that comes your way on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., as well as Monday mornings at 1 a.m., streaming live at those times, and also podcasting. Podcasting at SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Player FM, and a bunch of other places as well as the homepage of richarddugan.com. And the radio shows page of richarddugan.com. Yeah, a little redundant, but hey, I want to make sure that these uh, programs are available to you. Today is going to be a very, very exciting program because we are going to be playing the Chakra Wheel of Fortune. And today we're going to spin the wheel and ask our special guest, Lisa Erickson, to come on down and spin that Chakra Wheel and see what she's won to... Wait a minute, that's the wrong show. Lisa, welcome to the Tell Me Your Story radio program, because we are going to spin that chakra wheel for women today, right? That's right, Richard. Thanks for having me. That was a great intro. (laughs) Believe it or not, as I was walking back to the studio uh, following uh, uh, my little walk, I was thinking, how can I open this program? I like to have fun with the program, and we're going to do that today, and that's kind of what came to mind. And we're going to be talking about the powerful chakra tools to help you heal, achieve balance, and awaken to your greatness. This has to do, of course, with the Chakra Empowerment for Women, self-guided techniques for healing trauma, owning your power, and feeling, uh, finding overall wellness. And uh, first of all, I think we should basically state, and I have been corrected on numerous occasions, it is actually pronounced with a hard chakra, uh, most people say chakra, but that supposedly, as I have been corrected, is incorrect. Uh, there are seven main chakras that I would say most people know about that run up and down the center of the uh, of the body. I also uh, remember reading, uh, um, uh, Lisa, in uh, Joy's Way that there are those seven main ones, but then there are a bunch of others at the joints and all over the place. And uh, we won't really go into that. We're going to let people investigate that aspect. And, of course, we also talk about the meridians. Mm -hmm. And we talk about all of these different aspects of the uh, chakras uh, in reference to the area that you are dealing with in this particular book, focusing primarily on only one half of the population, that being women. Mm -hmm. And um, it seems as though... Women are coming into here in the 21st century. Uh, they're they're starting to come into their own power, aren't they? Yeah, and it's really occurring on an energetic level. And I would say the chakra system, some of these techniques, they're relevant to both men and women because a large part of our chakra system, just like a large part of our physical anatomy is the same but there are key differences just like with our physical anatomy that can be really important for women to know about and that can be part of their healing and empowerment process but there is a difference a little bit of a difference between the male and the female energetic is that not correct yeah exactly the energy body is this interface or this is how i like to think of it an interface between our physical body our psyche, and our spirit. So some chakra work is very focused on physical healing. Some chakra work is very focused on emotional healing. I kind of work right in the middle of those two, sometimes focusing more emotionally, psychologically, or spiritually, and sometimes more physically. But at that level where our chakras are linked to our physical body, there are differences, just like there are in our physical body. 
and they're linked to the same area, our reproductive system, and the way that our energy body is anchored. So, yeah, I can go more into that or see if you uh, want to ask something in between. <laughs> well, what I want to do is jump into number six, uh, the sixth chakra, which, of course, is the third eye and your second sight. And that really ties into what we are promoting this year, 2020, the year of perfect vision. And we are focusing on inner vision. We are focusing on getting in touch with our true self, uh, the listening to the still small voice, the higher self. It goes by so many different names, but it's all basically of the same ilk, I believe. Um, mm. But if if that's not from your perspective, a hundred percent accurate, then I would love for you to elaborate. No, I absolutely agree. That third eye is exactly what it sounds like. It is another type of vision. It allows us to see and sense things that we don't see with our physical eyes or our physical senses. And although we call it the third eye, you don't necessarily sense everything through your third eye visually. It's not just about clairvoyance, which is only one type of intuition. It really, that third eye is the organizing chakra for receiving energetic data and insights from everyone around us. We read body language. We read the energy, someone's mood through an energy we're feeling from their emotional system. We read our environment. And the third eye is what helps us process that into information that is intuitive. And then from a spiritual perspective, I couldn't agree with you more. There, there's a lot of different mystic experiences, but they're remarkably similar across different spiritual traditions. Uh, that's one of the things I find so interesting is uh, in what I like to refer to as the ancient wisdom teachings. Uh, mm -hmm. It talks an awful lot about uh, where we come from and where we are going and, um, and then uh, talks about where we are. And, of course, I myself have been, well, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to say that um, uh, I have a real problem per se, mm. but uh, it's a challenge to me to uh, wrap my brain around this concept, considering what I would really like for the world to be. Now... Back in the 80s, early 90s, I was working for a Christian station, and it took me five years to release myself from the philosophical underpinnings of hell and the devil. Mm. Uh, I, I, I no longer believe that that is a truth from my perspective. Some people want to believe that, that, that there's a literal fine. That's, that's your choice. But, you know, uh, the one word that comes to mind in regards to all of that and the great plan of of God is extortion, and I don't think God's an extortionist. But mm -hmm. one of the things that troubles me these days is this concept of duality. Mm. Now, when we look out, and this is, I'll try to make this brief because our listeners have probably heard this a hundred times from <laughs> me. Um, you look out into the cosmos through the Hubble telescope and you see the movement. You see the changes going on, the transformation of planets, the ex supernovas exploding and meteors crashing into this and that and, the, and asteroid belts getting and, and on and on and on and on. Right. And we yeah. ooh and we ah. And then you go to the micro level through a microscope and you kind of see the same thing. Mm -hmm. And we ooh and we ah. But when you see that happen at our level, the mid, I, I call it the mid-crow level. <laughs> Macro, mm -hmm. micro, and mid-crow. 
And we don't say ooh and ah. We say ah and ouch. And it's either good or bad, positive or negative, up or down, left or right, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, no, it's all part of that which is. And I'll use this as a case in point and have you elaborate on this. We as individuals, you, Lisa, and I, Richard, have a dark side, a shadow side, as written by many authors down through the centuries, and a light side, a bright side, uh, that spark, and so on and so forth. However, it's not necessarily good or bad. It's just what is. It's just what is. We can't have one without the other because... Bottom line is, that's the way we are, right? Well, okay. So I have two different responses to that, which okay. is maybe too, too dualistic, but... <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. You know, philosophically, I'm right there with you, and I think it's very important to honor our shadow side, because otherwise we move into spiritual bypassing. Like, I have problems with kind of forced positivity or forced always being a certain way, labeling certain emotions as good, others as bad, because it causes people to repress emotions that they've decided are negative, and then they can't experience full healing around them. And because I work with a lot of trauma survivors, that that's a big issue for me. So I'm really with you in terms of honoring all of our emotions and experience as part of what we're here for. But what I would say is I view the personal transformation journey of one of trying to really tap into ourselves as a conduit for source. It's like we're a crystal and the light comes into the back of a crystal, like those crystals you might hang in your window mm -hmm. and it refracts out the other side as a rainbow and every crystal has a very unique rainbow. If the crystal is dirty, a lot of our negative emotions and things like that are obstructions. We're not actually experiencing our pure power and light. And it requires healing to do that. So you do have to address the obstructions, the negative emotions, in order to heal. They block your chakras is one way of thinking about it. Uh, and as you do that, you heal, you grow into your power. And then what's coming through the crystal is a pure expression. And that's still dual because on this level of the material world, we still experience things at the body level as pleasurable or unpleasurable, pain or pleasure, all of that. But your identification is at the non-dual level. You're able to hold all of it. And your expression of yourself is no longer limited by, you know, obstructions. I don't know if that was too much to throw into one answer or not, but I'll let you respond to that. So, Well, I, you know, it's interesting because um, it has been said. Now, I grew up, uh, I grew up and was taught in public school. Actually, my first two years, kindergarten and first grade, I was in Catholic school, parochial school. And I'm not sure whether that was the smart thing to do for us to move us to public school. Mm. But then again, I was getting harassed in Catholic school and I got harassed in public school, too. So, you know, six of one, half dozen of the other. And it has been said many, many times that it is those kinds of challenges and this is you. I don't know if this is said by people who have never had the experience, but they say, well, that builds character, you know, and that's just the way kids are and so forth. And I'm I'm going, there's got to be a better way to build character <laughs> than yeah. than to put people through the ringer, because uh, we tend to do that to ourselves anyway. We are our own worst critic, for example. Mm -hmm. um, and 
so I, I guess it's I guess it's going to be a matter of perspective on the each individual's part as to how they view uh, our dualistic world. And of course, in the ancient wisdom teachings, and especially in Hinduism, talks about Maya. And this is all an illusion. None of this is real. None of this is real. So they say. But boy, we sure put a lot of importance on what isn't real. Um, yeah. Well, and I actually feel like, you know, that interpretation of Hindu teachings that this isn't real, that's actually meant to be a tool for changing our relationship to this world. But it's not saying if a tiger attacks you, it's not going to kill you. I mean, it, there is both a relative and an absolute plane, mm-hmm. right? And it's interesting because the, 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 the physical plane, the material plane in Hinduism is the, the female, the feminine. Yes. It is the body, you know, and so that level, unfortunately, was denigrated a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, throughout. But it, but enlightenment and awakening is really about bringing those two together, Shakti and Shiva, right. the masculine and feminine, the body and the spirit, and also that idea of things being a dream and of them feeling absolutely real. So I think the whole it's a dream thing is just meant to be an antidote to us taking all of this so seriously, but it's not meant to be absolute truth either. It's an integration of the two. Yeah. Uh, you know? Well, I will tell you that if it had been my call 2,000 years ago, or maybe 18, 1900 years ago, I forget when this took place, Peter would not have been elected or designated the first pope mm-hmm. of the church, okay? And mm-hmm. I will tell you who would have been. Mm. Mary Magdalene. Oh, yeah, or Be- Thomas, right? Or- no, 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 no. <laughs> Mary Magdalene, yeah. and I'll tell you why. Yeah. After his, after the Christ's uh, crucifixion, crucifixion, burial, and then his resurrection, when uh, she was the first person, according to the Gospels, she was the first person, human being, to see him. And not only to see him, but to know who he was. Matter of fact, I paraphrase one of the passages in there where they're having this conversation, and supposedly she reaches out to touch the hem of his garment. And uh, I paraphrase it in this way. He says to her, no, 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 no. Hold on. No, the paint's not dry yet, so don't touch me. <laughs> okay. She knew who he was. And just not long after that, he's walking along, and who does he come across? His own disciples, who basically, once again, I paraphrase, uh, can you show us to the nearest tavern? We're just looking for a drink to drown our sorrows because our Savior was just killed. Mm-hmm. They didn't know who he was. Yeah. And so that's why I would put her as the leader, if you will, the first one of the church yeah. uh, that has become what it is today. And one of the wonderful things that I have noticed, and I would love for you to discuss this as well, and and, and this is sort of in light of how we've seen women coming of age here in the 21st century, Mm -hmm. that, um, oh dear, have I just lost the thought? My goodness. I was born and raised with four sisters and a mother, and Mm. it was me, my brother, and my father. So we were in the minority. I have no problem living in a matriarchal society. But I interviewed a gentleman not long ago who wrote a book about psychopaths, the psychopathic epidemic. And one of the questions that I asked him was, what's the percentage of male to female psychopaths? To which he said, female psychopaths are extremely rare. They do not have the makeup within them to be that way. 
and that we would do so much better if women would take over and start running the show for a while, you know, until we can get things balanced again. Yeah. Um, is that really where your focus is in terms of working with women and empowering them through uh, the the various techniques that you teach them uh, of accessing the chakra chakra energies, not only to regain the power they have they always have had, but we're told they didn't, uh, so that they can come into their own and begin the process of balancing the two energies, the masculine and the feminine. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And it's interesting. I wouldn't necessarily put it in terms of, oh, women need to run the world for a while because a woman can still reflect the old masculine patriarchal ways, <laughs> right? So it isn't so much about women running the world. It is about both men and women coming into balance and what we have labeled as feminine attributes that have been denigrated being honored. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it's interesting cause you spoke about your patriarchal, edu- or your, your, not patriarchal, <laughs> <laughs> your, your Catholic education, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Which was patriarchal, but that's different. Wasn't yeah. the word you used, you know, that it, it sounds like it, there was bullying or, 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 or abuse involved mm-hmm. and, and, and that whole idea that, oh, it builds character. Well, that is a very male masculine way of thinking that, growth that character is about suffering and stoicism as opposed to nurturing and growth right yeah and what we really need across the board is a new model of nurturing and growth we've labeled those qualities as feminine both men and women need more of them but yes this particular work in this book is focused on helping women to own that side of themselves own that as a power and then to help rebalance the world through that but I think healing the masculine is just as important, if not more. I, I would tend to agree. I want to ask you, uh, we're going to get into maybe some of the techniques that you teach uh, mm-hmm. that people can, of course, certainly find in the book Chakra Empowerment for Women. One of the things that I, I am saddened by, and, and this is with any, I guess the phrase is marginalized group. Mm-hmm. One of the hardest things for me to really grasp is the chip on the shoulder. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that an individual who's got a chip on their shoulder because they're a member of one of these marginalized groups, whether it be ethnic, religious, sexual, etc., doesn't have justification for having the chip. But the frustration for me and the sadness is, and this happened in an interview not long ago that I did with a woman. She was actually all the way in India at the time. We were doing it over Skype, as we are today. Mm-hmm. And... We were talking about this issue of of uh, I, I brought up the aspect that, you know, there are men that are scared out of their minds right now because they're afraid to walk up and down the street for fear that if you look the wrong way or in a woman's direction, you could have uh, charges brought against you for, for you. Could, but you didn't do anything mm-hmm. and and so forth and so on. And her response to me with a lot of charged energy was welcome to the club. And I thought, whoa, hey, wait a minute. Uh, (laughs) I'm trying to understand. That's all I'm trying to do is understand. Uh, Please don't attack me, you know. But that seems to be the case with a lot. And again, again, I can't think of any other word to use but marginalized groups. Yeah. Um, 
Talk to us a little bit about that. Maybe address people, talk to people who might very well, and again, as I said, they might be justified in carrying that chip around, but the danger and the damage that that does. Yeah. Well, and there's there's a few things here. Uh, one is, you know, to a certain extent, we're rebalancing, so we're swinging too far the other way. And rebalancing often requires that, and we see that throughout history with all sorts of movements, right? So there is a backlash now that is perhaps going too far, and then we need to find a balance in the center. And that takes time. And I know it is difficult for everyone and painful for everyone. I mean, you're absolutely right that living in that state of anger does the person no good, right? It doesn't, it actually causes more damage in their own physical and emotional body, right, than maybe the initial trauma. But I will say, because I work with sexual trauma survivors, that anger is a necessary step to healing. All too often, I have people, especially because I, I tend to attract a lot of spiritual types, who are like, oh, yeah, my father sexually abused me growing up, but I'm forgiven him. I realize now he was in my life to teach me certain lessons. They never felt anger at him. And in fact, then what happened is they just went into one kind of abusive relationship after another. They never really uh, put the blame where it belonged, on an individual who did something wrong, something criminal. And they have to then actually own their anger because anger is a path to boundaries first. Then we move through the anger. And then once we move through the anger, there can be a true healing, maybe true forgiveness, sometimes yes, sometimes no. But the anger is actually a necessary step on the path to healing. And I actually feel like that's the case on a cultural level, too. It's not comfortable. It may not feel fair, but it will pass. And it's actually a necessary step in the healing and rebalancing. I don't know if that's really the answer you were looking for, but that's my view on it. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Well, if it was, if that's your view on it, then that was the answer I was looking for. <laughs> okay, good, good. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and it is it is scary for all of us Yeah. Uh, because we don't know how this is going to play out. And yet at the same time, I have to wonder, Lisa, if maybe we have to swing the pendulum that far. I mean, yeah, it would be nice if if uh, the folks who have been marginalized would realize, yeah, okay, that's the situation. Let's not go too too far to one extreme here because you know that's going to hurt other people. But you know, maybe again, you're dealing with as you just said, we have to deal with the anger. Well, the anger's there, so yeah. we've got to deal with it. And uh, so maybe that's sort of the natural order of things. Uh, so that's what we have. That's just the that's going to be the natural path that we have to go. We have to swing the pendulum that far in order to bring it back to the middle. Yeah. And what the anger does is it unearths a lot of things that have been hidden. And that's kind of the phase that we're in. And then eventually we'll come back into balance and hopefully not too much damage will have been done by the anger phase. And that really mirrors what I see in individual healing cycles and even grief, right? Like when someone loses someone, anger is actually, anger and denial is actually a stage of grief. And it's actually a necessary step on the path to healing. So it does serve a purpose. It does serve a purpose, but you don't want to get stuck there. And I think that's what you're speaking to. Yeah, that's really what I am speaking to is the, is, is the getting stuck. And yeah. I don't know. From my standpoint, from where I am coming from, um, 
in spite of, or maybe because of what I went through in school, Mm -hmm. I tend to give people the benefit of the doubt Mm. over and over and over again, just simply because even though I will have conversations with my wife and I will vent about a certain person or situation, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to carry out the things that I say to her to towards this other person that I might have problems with. I'm just venting. I'm releasing the energy. I'm releasing the anger. And unfortunately, um, there are those who are taking that anger and that energy and they're putting it into action, unfortunately, and it ends up hurting themselves as well as other people in many, many different ways. Here's something I want to touch upon before we jump into more of of this. And again, folks, if you're just joining us, my guest is uh, uh, Lisa. Uh, Lisa Erickson, uh, she has written this wonderful book called Chakra Empowerment for Women. And folks, the foreword is by a good friend of ours who we've had on this program and will have again shortly, Cindy Dale. Oh, I didn't know you had had her. Yay. I've had her on the program a number of times. Yeah, I'm looking forward to having her back because we need to catch up. It's been a few years since I've had her on. Oh, yeah. And I love Cindy. She is a good friend and mentor of mine. Excellent. Self-guided techniques for healing trauma, owning your power, and finding overall wellness. Now, it has been said to me over the years that as above, so below. Mm. As without, so within. Uh, and the way they describe that out outside versus inside is that when you start seeing certain things happening out in the world, whether mm-hmm. it be uh, uh, nature, a hurricane, an earthquake, um, any other heavy rains and floods, droughts, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, go within and find out what that means for you what what is mm. your what's what's what what is flooding in your life what is mm. in drought in your life what hurricanes are stirring up in your life so i want to ask you in light of what i'm sure is still going on as of the broadcasting and podcasting of this program this current wave global wave of virus mm-hmm. that has so stirred people beyond the normal flu that they talk about every year. Mm-hmm. What's what's from your perspective, from your say going within and getting in touch with self, that higher self, the still small voice, what is going on inside of us as a species, as a society, as a community, that this 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 outer expression has manifest? Yeah. Any insight? Well, I think the two things that come to me is it, there's kind of a a, a dualistic again. A shadow, <laughs> I, there's a you know there's a shadow side and there's a light side, and the shadow side is fear and anxiety about the future of humanity, which we all have different fears about that. Right across the political spectrum, across different religions. We have different views on how the world is falling apart, but we have a sort of shared view that the world's falling apart. <laughs> you know, it depends. It's, it's, it's a constant in our world right now, and this virus is almost a reflection of that. But on the light side, it is also about interdependence and global connectivity. More than ever, we are realizing we are one species sharing a planet. 
and borders do not stop a virus, right? Uh, and we are all dealing with a common threat. This virus is a threat to everyone, regardless of where you live on the planet, and our only hope of actually containing it requires global cooperation. And so it's this very interesting thing about like sort of both uh, hating our interconnectivity and also realizing the truth of our interconnectivity. The virus is reflecting all of that, I think. Uh, you're absolutely right. Our interconnectedness, our interdependentness. Uh, I've often thought about this in the context of uh, our cellular body, trillions mm -hmm. of cells that make up the human body. And, of course, the almost 8 billion human bodies on the planet. Mm -hmm. And I often ask this question, under what form of government? And I, I, I ask this to you. You don't have to answer it. But... Um, I say, what form of government, under what form of government, do the cells of the human body function? Now, first of all, you eliminate democracy. Because if you had the cells functioning as a under a de democratic form of government, the body would cease to exist. It would fall apart. Mm. Because every cell would want its individual, I want to go my way thing. Okay? Mm -hmm. They wouldn't be thinking about the collective. They'd be thinking about self. Because that seems to be what our democracy is all about. It's my way and I want my rights. I want to bear arms. I want to say whatever I want to say. I want to uh, worship who or whatever I want to worship. It's all about, it's, you know, it's all about me, Lisa. It really is. It's all about me. Uh, it is not a socialist or communist form of government because you don't have a central Central control and your cells aren't slaves. And the, I'll tell you the system or the ism I came up with. Kind of long. Interdependentism. Yeah. They can't survive independently of one another. So they and, and at the same time, they must function together. Mm -hmm. And this energy, the chakra energy is sort of. Maybe in a manner of speaking, would you say maybe is sort of the the glue uh, that holds it together? Absolutely. And the you know, the, it's interesting that my mind goes in so many different directions as you say that, you know, on the one hand, yeah, our chakras are like the source energy that is the operating system or source behind it that mm. you know the, the, the collective organizing principle but also it also brings to mind to me we, we tend to focus sometimes with people with chakras tend to focus on just oh my my heart chakra is blocked i've got one i want to focus on that and it's from my perspective it's really much more about the balance and flow between the different energies of the chakras and how they work together mm -hmm. that is often more important than going oh yeah i just have a block right here that i need to address yeah kind of the difference between holistic medicine and just symptom-based medicine, right? You really mm. get into not just addressing one symptom, but the whole body and what does this one particular physical problem represent regarding imbalances through the whole system. Mm. And I think that's what we're seeing now. You know, also the chakra system really emphasizes our interconnectivity on an energetic level. We all feel each other's energy and it impacts, we impact each other we're all part of this larger matrix as well. So do, there's the inner system, and then we're each a node in this larger system. Do you consider yourself uh, empathic in that respect? Yeah, I mean, I actually think everyone is empathic. Mm -hmm. So the popularity of that word recently yeah. is sort of, I have some issues with it a little bit, but um, 
we're all empathic, just some of us are more impacted by it than others, and some of us are more aware of it than others. And you can train yourself to be more aware of it if you wish. Absolutely. Uh, uh, and it's and there's, there's a difference between empathic and uh, empathy, if you mm-hmm. will. Uh, mm-hmm. Empathy is more, I think, uh, leaning towards having a, uh, a, 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 um, a feeling of understanding, compassion, etc., towards someone who is going through whatever is they're going through, even joy. I mean, you know, even the, the, the upsides, uh, whereas the empath and my wife is an empath. And for Mm -hmm. years she would come home crying at work, trying to figure out why she was feeling the way that she was, you know, and what's wrong with her. And I kept telling her, even though I did not know that it had anything to do with being an empath, Mm -hmm. I said, it's not you. It's the other people that, you know, you're, you're struggling with. And finally, we were able to determine she was picking up on whatever it is that's going on in their lives. And then she had to find a way to sort of put the shields up a little bit, you know, to protect herself. So she wasn't, you know, you talk about the pendulum swinging so that her pendulum wasn't swinging all over the place, not just left to right, but in circles in three dimensions. Yeah. Well, and as it turns out, you know, this is one of the big themes of my book, actually, because women's energy bodies are, are centered, anchored in the second chakra, we are by default more energetically absorbent. So both men and women are empathic and ex- certainly can experience empathy, but a woman's energy body is actually more absorbent. It tends to absorb others' emotions more unconsciously. So we actually do have to pay more attention to boundaries, and that's one of the key differences between men and women, that in general, Men need to bring in more fluidity into their energy bodies, and women then need to focus more on boundaries. So it's very interesting, that difference, and energetic boundaries are so important. And I would add, you know, this difference between being an em- or empath- empathy and being an empath, and I would add the third thing is intuition, because empathy is also the foundation for intuition. The energy and emotions you feel for others, if you don't just absorb them and take them on as your own emotions— they turn into information. Oh, that person's smiling, but I'm sensing they're actually really upset about something, right? And that's, you don't then take that upsetness into your own body, but you have the insight, the intuition that they are feeling something that they're not telling you. Yeah. Well, first of all, I need you to to stop looking over my shoulder metaphysically because uh, that is the next area I was going to go into, the intuition. Oh, great. Sorry. That's, that's a... <laughs> intuition you're always jumping ahead i know cut it out uh i still i love the i I still love the great woody allen joke that he told um he said that uh he took a he took metaphysics 101 in college and um and he was uh, and he failed uh, because uh, they threw him out because during one of the tests he looked into the soul of the kid next to him Mm. Uh, and you're not supposed to do that apparently uh the uh, the critical part of this book which is called Chakra empowerment for women uh, and the empowerments is the ability to bring all of this to bear on the real world experiences for women. For example, when to use specific empowerments to calm yourself down before a job interview, prepare to compete in a sporting event, center yourself before engaging with a difficult conversation with a loved one. 
speed your recovery from a cold. Oh, now that would be a great one, a mm-hmm. fr- especially right now. Affirm boundaries prior to a large family gathering. Uh, and I want to touch on that for just a second in a moment. And then letting go of an old relationship that is no longer in your highest good. Now that affirming boundaries be uh, prior to a, a large family gathering made me think of um, uh, an acting class that I took back in Phoenix with a dear friend of mine who passed away in March 2019. And um, one of the things that she taught us was when you are going to do a scene with someone that has a lot of energy, especially anger and da 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 you don't necessarily do this consciously, but you can. Before the scene, you go to the person and say, do I have permission? Do I have permission? And hopefully the person gives you permission in order to carry out the scene. Uh, and sometimes we forget about that and we will get into altercations with people. Uh, and I, I will tell you that one of the things I found interesting in the latter years that I am in now, and I say that in terms of closer to this moment, uh, not in terms of my demise here shortly, is I noticed that, that I used to, I used to just be on the edge of chaos when dealing with someone and a problem you know and now i find myself going into it whether it's a maybe a phone call with a a vendor or the got a problem with my credit card i got a problem with my utility bill whatever that i remind myself of the circumstances under which i'm doing this the person i'm dealing with let's just say it's the electric company And the people I'm talking with on the phone have absolutely nothing to do with the issue I'm calling them about. They're just they just happen to be on the other end of the phone. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to attack them. So it that actually calms me down. Yeah. Saying, look, you don't don't put that on them. It's not their fault. They don't deserve that. And probably you'll get a better response if you calm down and and talk about this more calmly and rationally. Yeah. One of the criticisms I've noticed, especially in politics of women candidates, and I've heard this time and time again, the double standard here, is if a woman gets upset and angry over something that's been said about her, she's considered moody, mm-hmm. whereas for a man it's, oh, yeah, well, he's upset about what that person over there said or did or what have you. And it's almost like not a big deal. And I'm just sitting here thinking, that's got to change because women can get angry just like men can. And they can express themselves in the same fashion as men can. And it shouldn't be that double standard. Your thoughts? Yes, I agree. But you know what? There also shouldn't be the double standard for a man that if he cries in public, that's weak, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we have, we, that's what we've done. We've taken these emotions and these psychological qualities and we've decided some of them are masculine and some of them are feminine and we're not allowing anyone to own their full selves. Women have a right to be angry. Men have a right to be sensitive and cry. And all of us should be allowed to feel all of these emotions. And I think that's really what this rebalancing is about. Uh, But then what I would also say is what you were speaking to in terms of how to handle, say, a difficult phone call, you know, an annoying technical support call like I was just on yesterday, (laughs) uh, you know, is uh, that 
is equanimity, this word equanimity, this really just being able to stay centered and non-reactionary, you know? So there is value to both expressing emotions and all of us having a right to express all of our emotions, Mm -hmm. but there's also value to being able to, you know, mindfulness, this word thrown around all the time, being able to uh, stay calm and not just react from that emotional place. You allow yourself to feel your emotions. You don't repress them. You're present with them, but there's enough space around them internally that you can choose your response and not just act from them. Yeah. And that's extremely important to act, not react. Uh, Mm -hmm. One of the other things that has helped me over the years has been something that I learned from uh, others. uh, And that is to become part of the process rather than trying to control it. Yeah. And that is a really hard one, especially for guys, because... Well, we're always trying to fix stuff, you know, because that's well, that's what we do. <laughs> see know? there, I see Richard. You are owning your feminine. Good for you. Because <laughs> <laughs> no. the feminine energy is the fluid energy, and the masculine is the static, and so that's it. That ability to be ad- adaptable, that emotional fluidity, as opposed to needing to control. Being part of a flow, feeling yourselves as part of an interactive process with the people around you and the universe itself, right? Your own life. That fluidity is sourced in the second chakra. That's the energy of the second chakra, which is the source of feminine energy in all of us. Mm. Yeah. What about this other element that we're also dealing with? Um, I heard a great com- a, com- a comedian make a great line, and believe it or not, it was in a commercial for this comedian at our local um, uh, Indian uh, uh, casino where he was going to be performing. Uh, but he made the comment. <clears throat> he says, "Yeah, I was with my buddies, you know." And he said, "In this day and age, and everything, you know." He says, "You know, let's let's go to the bar, uh, have a few drinks, and compliment women." And mm. and of course, uh, the the response from his buddy was. Really, uh, Doug, that was your that was your problem. You, you you didn't compliment women enough. That's why you didn't get any dates. But that seems to be an issue uh, in terms of our interaction with one another and uh, our ability to feel free to compliment or to be complimentary without crossing these lines that that supposedly are there. You know, I mean, I have people who uh, they may not say anything. I'll get this this look as I'm walking down the street from some people appreciative of how I look with my beard. It's kind of fluffy and bushy and what have you. And then I even have some people say, hey, I like your beard and I like your hat and all this kind of stuff. And and I just say thank you. But it's like if I was to return the compliment to a woman. You know, it's like, oh, I I don't know if I want to do that because I don't know what that's going to open up. Yeah. Yeah. And it has to do with history, right? There isn't necessarily a history around being, you know, beards and hats, you being objectified and defined entirely according to that, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas for women, being defined and having their worth tied to their physical appearance has been a problem. Right. Yeah. And has led to incredible body image issues among many women. Right. So this is part of what's healing right now. And so women want the space. And really, all of us want to hold this space where we aren't objectifying anymore. Now, still, 
attraction is attraction. Sexual attraction is attraction. We're not trying to do away with that, but we're trying to say, you know, within a public space or within relationships and interactions that are not clearly romantic or sexual in nature, that we're not focused on that physical appearance. But again, I mean, you make a good point, and it's a rebalancing that we're, it's a complicated yeah, situation yeah. right now, trying to find this right balance. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's really, I mean, that's part of what we are talking about here. Certainly, yeah. uh, with the work that you are doing and the techniques uh, that you have uh, available, which we'll talk about when we come back from our break, uh, that's what we're going to try to work towards. And if we start doing it on an individual basis, um, there are certain old wives tales or sayings that I've found are lies. Mm. Uh, the first one is uh, you can't change other people. That's a lie. Mm. You can, but you can't do it consciously. Mm-hmm. When you change yourself and you change your energetic, there are going to be those who are going to be more drawn to it. And then there are going to be those who are repelled by it because they're not there. And they want nothing to do with that. They have that feeling. I mean, we all get that from people that sometimes we just come across walking the street sometimes. You know, so, oh, that I, I get an icky feeling from that person, you know, just whatever it is. Um, and then there are others like, oh, man, I, I would really like to sit and chat with that person for a while over a yeah. cup of coffee, what have you. Uh, but that's what we do. We do change. We can. And if we want to change people then we need to change ourselves. And actually, I was told, I'll say this last thing before we go to break, change the word change in your vocabulary, Richard, mm-hmm. to transform. Mm. Because if yeah. you change it one way, it can be changed back the other way. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, we are talking with Lisa Erickson, and she is the author of a wonderful book. We're going to talk more about some of the techniques and some of the details in Chakra Empowerment for Women. It is Self-Guided Techniques for Healing Trauma, Owning Your Power, and Finding Overall Wellness, forward by uh, our mutual good friend, Cindy Dale. I'm Richard Dugan. This is Tell Me Your Story. Guess what? We'll be right back. Tell me your stories. I'll do my best to Yes, indeed. And I am Monty Hall, and this is Let's Make a Deal. I'll do the transforming of my life if you'll do the transforming of your life, and we'll make this a better place for all of us. What do you think, uh, Lisa Erickson, author of Chakra Empowerment for Women? Does that sound like a a, a fair trade? Absolutely. Excellent. And would you like to guess what's behind door number three? (laughs) Hmm. Well, I tell you, this is a really powerful stuff. And the website, by the way, I don't want to forget to give that out, is ChakraEmpowermentForWomen.com. So just take the title of the book, Chakra Empowerment for Women, put a .com, and you are there. But I tell you what, I'm going to make it even easier for our listeners. When you go to the podcast and you see the, the guest's name, in this case, Lisa Erickson, or if you're listening to the podcast on SoundCloud and you see the little grocery cart in the upper right-hand corner of the player, click on either of those, her name or that grocery cart, boom, it takes you to her website. Easy peasy. And uh, you're there and you get to find out more about Lacey. You get to find out more about chakras and chakra empowerment for women. You can order a copy of the book uh, quickly. 
uh, I know there are all kinds of different formats from hard hard copy uh, to Kindle to this to that. Is it in audible form yet? It's not in audible form yet, just ebook and physical book. Would Hopefully. It, I was <laughs> going to ask you, would it really be practical to put it in audible? Because there are some pictures in here in the center of the book that uh, when one is describing a picture, that's more subjective than reading the text. Yeah, the pictures are really visuals that are incorporated into the chakra exercises, but you can describe them, right? Mm -hmm. They're not too yeah. complicated. So in fact, already on ChakraEmpowermentForWomen.com, the website, I have audios of myself guiding people through each chakra exercise that uh, is printed in words in the book. So I do think the book is, is suitable for that because the exercises you can be guided if you want, through 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 my voice. Well, how cool is that? That is very neat. Now, I, I myself was listening to Audible uh, audiobooks long before they were ever audible. I was listening back in the 60s and 70s. Mm. Uh, but then again, uh, there was a reason for that. I, at that time, was legally blind, and I was listening uh -huh. to talking books and recordings for the blind, both for mm -hmm. leisure as well as textbooks for school. And uh, I even recorded uh, some for both myself as well as uh, for my first wife, who was totally blind. Um, mm -hmm. And another guest we're looking forward to having on the program, whose book I did record, was uh, James Redfield and the Celestine Prophecy. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, um, you know, it's like everybody is, it's like a big deal for everybody else. It's like, it's for me, it's like, eh, you know, right. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, this it's is fine. I like trend. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's like it was trending in the 70s, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about the techniques. Let's talk about uh, maybe first of all um, the self-guided techniques, which, as you've just stated, there are videos on your website. And again, the website is ChakraEmpowermentForWomen.com. Okay. Uh, let's start with uh, some techniques for owning one's power. Or if that's not appropriate, where would be the best place to start? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we can really start with any of them because each chakra links into certain attributes we want to bring forward, right? And, you know, you gave that list a little earlier of different life situations in which you may want to activate a chakra. Mm. I really, part of what I'm trying to do in this book is make them very accessible to people. Sometimes people think of the chakras as only being, you know, about sitting down to meditate for a long time. But they are the energy of our emotions, and we can choose our emotional vibrational state in a moment. We can take control of it if we like. It's, you know, you were kind of talking about that earlier, and this is really mindfulness 2.0 in a way, not just not reacting and choosing your response, but also choosing your energy. I'm going into a difficult conversation with my teenager. I want to really be centered in my heart. I'm going to open up my heart energies right now. I'm going into a job interview. I really want to project confidence. I'm going to center in my navel chakra, which is linked to that feeling of personal power right now. That's the kind of thing that I'm talking about is providing techniques that you, you do need to put some practice in at home in a more controlled environment. But once you've done that, you can learn to activate those energies right in the spot when you need them. What do you need right in the moment? What kind of energy do you need to bring forth? And when you were talking about changing people, transforming people with your own energy, I mean, that's how it happens. You feel if someone's really centered in your in their heart and that softens you, 
you know, when you're with them and interacting with them. So let's uh, let's pick one. Let's uh, let's okay. start with uh, say something. I don't know if we say simple. <laughs> well, let's do naval fire because okay. that has to do with personal power. And you mentioned power, mm-hmm. and you know naval naval chakra. The element is fire. It's a very simple exercise. Simply take a breath and center in your body. Perhaps place a hand over your belly, right around your navel, and visualize a single candle flame there under your hand in your belly. If visualization is difficult, cultivate a feeling of warmth here in your belly and really center on that. But for a lot of people, visualizing a flame, a candle flame isn't too hard. And you would breathe into that and then do certain affirmations, which I can run through now if you want. Did you want me to run through some more? Please, no, go ahead, yes. Yeah. Another part of the process is is remembering times in which you've really felt in your power. So we may not have time to bring to mind memories right now, but I'll just pause for a second. And if you have a time where you really felt confident, bring that forward right now in your mind. Try to remember what it felt like in your body. And then bring your mind back into this visual of this flame in your navel. And then you can say out loud or just in your own mind, I am powerful. Or you can simply say the word powerful. I am confident. I am determined. I am focused. And that is really it. And, and, and if you're practicing that at home, you would spend a minute or two allowing yourself to feel that in your body and take a snapshot memory of it. And the next time you need that energy, bring that to mind. Bring the visual to mind. Bring the words to mind. Bring the feeling in your body to mind. Use the power of memory to activate that energy right then in that situation. I know that, uh, as you say, you have the videos online that people can Mm -hmm. go to. And one of the things that we are running right now in our program uh, is uh, this little uh, these little one minute meditations that I happen to come across from one of our program, Mm -hmm. one of our guests some time ago. And um, so we use two of those, one at the front end of the four minute break and one at the back end of the four minute break to go in and Mm -hmm. out of the program with. Mm-hmm. And it's just 60 seconds and you can continue driving. You don't close your eyes. <laughs> you just mm-hmm. kind of focus on what's being said mm-hmm. uh, because a lot of the CDs or a lot of the audio files that I've received always uh, preface it by saying, please do not operate heavy machinery. Do not drive while listening to this particular audio file or what have you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's important. And it sounds to me like this is something that you can do pretty much any time that you want, uh, uh, wherever, whenever. Uh, to 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 do that now doing it over and over again say you know a couple times a day or even once a day for x number of days will just help to continually reinforce that is that is that sort of the the suggestion yeah exactly so what i suggest is that someone sort of reads through the first few chapters that provide an overview of every chakra and then pick you can either go through each of them spend a week on each 
Or you can say, oh no, I really need to focus on my heart chakra or opening up my throat chakra, my ability to communicate, or my third eye, my intuition, my feminine power, my second chakra. You can pick one that you feel as if is the most relevant to your life now and spend a week, just a couple minutes a day working with that and then practice really bringing it into your daily life when you need it. And that's really what I'm trying to do in this book. And then it gets more complex later on in the book. There's multi-chakra tools. And because it's a book for women, I talk about pregnancy and menopause and, and transits like that that have a certain energetic footprint. Mm-hmm. But really, the first part, these chakra activations anyone could use, man or woman, in, in your daily life. You know, you don't need crystals. You don't need a meditation room. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Your chakras are with you everywhere you go. Exactly, exactly. I still remember, as I mentioned earlier, a reading, uh, and my mother suggested this book, Joy's Way. Uh, mm. And it went into even greater detail about the seven chakras, but then, I don't know, the hundreds of other minor chakra chakra points mm-hmm. on the body. And, uh, and, of course, that just reinforces that we are... Uh, energy bodies we are energetic bodies we're emanating energy all the time uh, you know from head to toe yeah and i have to wonder sometimes if maybe we became aware of that fact okay that we might be a little might have a little more of a, a a conscious awareness and unless that's a redundancy <laughs> uh of what we're putting out, you know? Yeah. yeah, and that's exactly what I'm trying to help people really feel is uh, gain this awareness of what is the energy you're putting out and receiving in <laughs> and taking more control over that, not in terms of trying to control your world, but recognizing that you can boundary what energies you take in from others and you also can decide what vibration you want to put out into a room and out into the world. You know, the more people I, I speak with, and, and I still have another lifetime to go because I have to, as I say many times on this program, I have to outlive my great-grandmother who lived to be 100. Oh, well, good. I, I'm almost 60, so I've got another 40 years to go, which is virtually another lifetime. Oh, okay. Yeah. So um, uh, I, I'm probably going to get this, you know, this same answer from most people in one sense to this question. Uh, because most of the people I'm interviewing nowadays, <laughs> they're younger than me, uh, mm. and I'm not asking your age. Don't 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 even go there. I will share it. I will share. Fifty three. Okay. I think it's important to be proud of your age. Oh, I would agree. <laughs> I would agree. I, I'm actually rather excited because when I was in my um, uh, childhood and even my early teens, I used to think about the year 2020 when I would be 60. Of course, I always loved the fact that I was born in a year that was uh, divisible by 10. It just made it so much zero easier. Year. Yeah, yeah. Zero year. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I, yeah, because these days, Richard, I'm going, wait, what am I this year? Am I 52? Am I 53? <laughs> yeah. Subtracting with 67 is not easy. So, <laughs> Well, um, uh, but it's it's it, so so uh, I'm curious as to when you were introduced to this subject of sh- chakras and being an energy body and mm-hmm. being interdependent with others. Mm hmm. Well, two answers. One is birth, but the answer you're looking for (laughs) now is really much later. I was 
in college when I first turned to meditation because I was having a lot of stress headaches and someone suggested I go to a meditation class. And in fact, it wasn't very common then, right? And then it, it sort of helped me and I forgot about it. But then I was in a technology executive career. My first career was as a technology executive in New York City. And I again was experiencing such stress that I ended up in another meditation class that was chakra based. And I, I'm more forgiving about the ch and the sha because I use the sha a lot okay. myself. But okay. chakra based, you, you don't have to be too worried about it with me. Um, and really, it this introduction to energy body teachings seemed to be explaining the way I had always been experiencing the world but didn't know it is really how I, it really seemed to make a lot of sense to me. And I realized I'd been feeling the energies of others. I realized that the breakdown of the different chakras and the kind of energies each represented really made sense to me that I could feel when someone was really in their navel chakra or really in their third eye. And that I just had never had the language for defining that. So it was over 30 years ago for me now. And it mm -hmm. wasn't that common then. Yeah. Uh, and led to a, a longer transition into this, this work. Yeah. Yeah, I actually was aware uh, probably in the early 80s, uh, and I was just into my 20s. And uh, uh, I mean, it's been a fascinating journey. And I still remember one experience uh, that I had. It was an Easter Sunday. We were at my parents' house. And in the back room, which was my sister's room, uh, my mother and two or three of my sisters were back there, and they would have one of them laying on the bed. And they would take their hands, the people that were standing, and they would scan over the body and just describe what they were feeling. Mm. And I remember my eldest sister, who at that time, now she was born and raised Catholic too, but her, at that time, fiancé, uh, I don't think they were married at the time, uh, was of a very rigid uh, Christian sect uh, that didn't buy into a lot of this stuff. And... Um, Anyway, my, I came back to see what was going on, and my mom says, lie down, lie down. So I laid down, and uh, she, my eldest sister, scanned my body. And she said that when she got to my throat, her hands got hot. Mm. And the, the sad fact at that time was that she almost completely disavowed, so to speak, any knowledge of what had just happened. Oh. Because it was contrary to what she had been taught that this kind of stuff doesn't happen. Yeah. And I have been of the mindset, God, as long as I can remember, if you had an experience and you describe it to me, uh, who am I to devalue it by saying, well, I'm sorry, but according to this, uh, this document over here, this ancient wisdom teaching, no, that doesn't happen. That's not, no, no, that, that, that's not even part of our, our human experience. So no, I'm, I, you're wrong. You didn't have that experience. You were hallucinating. Um, I, I won't do that. You know, I may not understand it. Okay, I'll try. I'll do my best. But I'm certainly not going to devalue it. I'm not going to criticize you for having it. Matter of fact, one gentleman who is a fundamentalist, born-again, evangelical Christian, he was on this program talking about his out-of-body experiences that he intentionally induced. I says, where in the Bible does it say you can do that? He says, nowhere. I said, oh, and I thought, wow, here's somebody who has these various beliefs and yet, and yet still steps outside. It reminds me of people like Edgar Cayce, 
Yeah. I mean, he fought like gangbusters because he, he no, 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 this is contrary to what I believe. And yet he continued to do it. Yeah. Uh, and I find that to me, I find that so fascinating that people, they do that kind of stuff. Did you ever have any challenges from your philosophical leanings towards any of this uh, as you were growing? Or was it just a natural thing? As you say, you <laughs> had it from birth, but the, the real practical part part happened uh, uh, 10, 20 years later. Yeah, no, I had definitely repressed it. It didn't fit into my worldview. And I was raised Episcopalian, which is very non-mystical. <laughs> <laughs> it's very progressive, but, you know, Catholics at least have their saints with all the mystical experiences, right? Yeah. There's some reference point. Episcopalians are very pragmatic, you know? So, um, yeah, I didn't really have a language or an understanding for what had occurred. And also in my family was very, you know, just scientifically oriented and my dad was in the military. So just very kind of, um, I don't know, not, not, not necessarily open to those kinds of experiences. So I had shut a lot of it down and it took me a lot, a, a long time to accept the reality of my experiences. It took yeah. me a while to do that. And then because I was working as a technology executive and, you know, not a very woo woo kind of environment, it took me a while to really admit to people that I was making this transition career-wise, that I had been training in this for a long time and really owning my power in that way and being willing to say, look, I don't care if this isn't real for you. For me, it's real. And for the people I'm working with, it's real. And from that standpoint, what has been the most extraordinary or mind-bending experience that you have had as you have worked with people uh, in this, in this, uh, uh, in this area with the chakra empowerment for women? Yeah. Well, it's always an honor to witness a really, uh, transformative healing session. And I like to say really most healing happens very gradually. Most transformation happens gradually. It isn't the big epiphany moments, but occasionally, you you know, I am able to witness a great epiphany moment, and I don't really consider it something I'm doing. It's just something someone is right for it, and I'm there at the right time helping them through it. But to have someone, for example, really that has been struggling under the limitations of trauma, they have felt anxious their whole life, and they have, they experience a healing in which they are finally able to feel that pattern in their energy body and let go of it and really feel from that day forward as if they're transformed. It's really magical. It enforces your faith that there is this other level to our beings, this spiritual level that we can't really get our mind around. You know, and like, and again, I always like to put disclaimers around stuff like that because most change happens gradually. It's not a huge moment. So you're not a failure if you don't have a huge moment like that. But every once in a while, that is how someone's healings unfold. And it, it almost qualifies as a miracle. It, it is a miracle. And it's, yeah. it's something that we can't um, dismiss. Well, I remember uh, when I uh, read uh, the New Testament cover to cover once, and I remember coming across a particular passage. It always pops up in these circumstances in our conversations. And that is the uh, conversation that uh, the Christ had with his apostles as he's performing all these miracles. And they're just like, wow, that is so cool. Hey, um... Uh, 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 Rabbi, could you teach us how to do that kind of stuff? I mean, that is really neat. You know, we'd really like to, you know, provide food for people in this and that, you know, turn water into wine and that, da, 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 da. He said, this, 
oh, sure, I'll, I'll teach you this. No problem. But let me tell you something. You are going to do greater works than these. And I believe, uh, now this is out of the Gospels, now this is me, mm. I believe those greater works are the transforming of our lives. Mm. Yeah. That's the greater work. Yeah. And through the work that you are offering people through Chakra Empowerment for Women, I think that uh, they are going to be able to uh, do just that with your assistance, your support, your facilitating facilitating uh, through uh, Chakra Empowerment for Women dot com. Please go there and investigate. We are always telling people to do that, to find out more about this. Lisa Erickson, I want to thank you so much, uh, first of all, for giving us so much time. We uh, sometimes... Uh, in interviews past when they say, okay, uh, this person can give you half an hour, and I'm still talking with them 45 minutes later, uh, only because they haven't said uncle. Uh, and uh, so I, I, I do take liberties from that standpoint, but, you know, sometimes we do have to, to, to call it and say, okay, here's the checkered flag and we're coming to the end. But I thank you so, <laughs> I thank you so much. Or in this case, it's the seven-colored flag. Yeah. Um, the uh, the rainbow flag, <laughs> self-guided techniques for healing trauma, owning your power and finding overall wellness, chakra empowerment for women forward by Cindy Dale, Lisa Erickson. I want to thank you. And if you ever find yourself out here in Santa Barbara, we'd love to have you in studio, uh, not only to talk more about this, because there certainly is more to talk about, but maybe even to go through some more of these techniques. But I also encourage people to go to the videos that you have on your website to also uh, uh, learn these techniques and transform their lives. But thank you so much. Thank you, Richard. It's been great. Fantastic questions and discussion. Three final questions that I have for you, but I want to remind our listeners of the podcasts on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM. We also have um, Blueberry and a bunch of other places as well as the homepage of richarddugan.com and the radio show's page at richarddugan.com. And uh, if you'd like to support the work we are doing, ladies and gentlemen, we would greatly appreciate that. We have a PayPal and Patreon account and we can use all of the help that we can get in many, many different ways. And you know what? We'll even take energetic support. Uh, send it our way. We'll put it to good use. I promise you we will to have people on like Lisa and also Cindy Dale, who's coming on this program in the not-too-distant future, uh, to talk more about the work that she is doing. Three final questions for you, Lisa. And the first of those three is, who is Lisa Erickson? Ooh, light being. <laughs> Am I supposed to answer these briefly or <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I actually always leave it up to the guest. If that's all you uh, would like uh, to share, then fine. If not, if you'd like to elaborate, that's fine too. Uh, yeah. I'm an energy worker and author and I help people discover their own internal light. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you are doing now? I would love everyone to really recognize their inner power their inner connection to source, their inner capacity to heal and transform, and their inner capacity to love. And finally, what is your life's purpose? Hmm. To bring forward the divine feminine to help uh, contribute to the healing of the imbalance between the masculine and feminine within us all. 
Lisa Erickson, once again, thank you so much for joining us. And again, folks, go to ChakraEmpowermentForWomen.com. Find out more about her work and her book, Powerful Chakra Tools to Help You Heal, Achieve Balance, and Awaken to Your greatness and we will all join together interdependently uh, to share in our collective transformation as individuals as a people as a society and as the world and as the world continues to turn in this 2020 the year of perfect vision i'm richard dugan and until our next broadcast podcast love to love